Check one, two, three. Check one, two, three. Hello, everyone. It's time for another episode of Abby Says She's Sorry for the Dumb Shit She Said on the Podcast. <laughs> oh, no. Um, is this about Mendel and Mendeleev? Yes, it is. <laughs> I have an anthropology degree. I was very embarrassed that I did not catch that. <laughs> I, okay. I know... One, I shouted out my biology teacher and got that wrong. <laughs> Please don't hate me, Mr. Chamberlain. You the best. That was my bad. But in my defense, they are both very similar names. I get them mixed up all the damn time. They put mm-hmm. they ordered stuff, you know. Mendeleev, yeah. Mendeleev they put stuff was in the, the right guy. order and their yeah. names were yeah. Mendeleev was the guy that organized the periodic table of the ele- elements and Mendel was the guy that did like plant botany work with seeds and like genetics and punnet squares and shit yeah well that was yep, yep. Yeah. oh god <laughs> marvin's gonna be like shut your mouth <laughs> stop um, digging so yeah i don't know i always cringe when i hear people on podcasts mispronounce something or say a wrong fact or not know a fact that i know because i'm screaming at them what it is and i just hate it that I was part of the problem. Abby's like, I've become that which I most despise. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's probably going to happen again. And it's definitely happened before that instance. But I just wanted to say, sorry. Sorry. So, <laughs> this has been Abby's sorry for the stupid shit that she does or says on the podcast. Thank you so much. <laughs> Abby's like, thank you for sticking around for amateur hour. <laughs> Luckily, I don't take myself too seriously, so I haven't been up the last two weeks um, feeling like an idiot. Just kidding. Yes, I have. Anyway, hello. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) We, like, just... We, like, just dove into that Patreon episode, and I feel like I didn't even ask you, like, how it was going and how things were since last week. Pretty good. I went on a long bike ride last night, which was really nice. Nice. Did you get outside today? It was, like, almost 70. No, I did not. Um, I was working, and then I had therapy, and then I had this right after. um, Mm -hmm. And I also crossed some animals. I've just been crabby all week, and... struggling with motivation because i'm doing um our listeners who don't know this have i mentioned this in the podcast before i don't know anywho i'm I'm trying to become a firefighter is the long and short of it Mm -hmm. and as long as i am still working on it which it takes a few years because they all of these departments recruit like every other year and then they go through this long wait list anywho um as long as i am still working on becoming a firefighter every year i have to take this physical test and it is just fucking grueling and it's the worst 10 minutes of my year. And you're like, 10 minutes? I could probably do anything for 10 minutes, bro. No. This no, shit sucks. This shit sucks. So let me think about this. I'm trying to remember the order that this goes in. The stairs um, thing alone, I would be out. It's like I have light. I have seen people fail just on the stairs, which yeah, is heartbreaking. I think that's the hardest part. And it's first. I mean, the whole thing is hard. But like, that this, one sounds like the hardest. Right, any one of these, you explain. Yeah, any one of these on their own would be fine, but doing it all in a row and doing it all after the stairs is just brutal. And in a certain, and you have to do it under ten minutes, right? Yeah, you have ten minutes and twenty seconds. So, you put on a fifty-pound vest and a helmet and gloves, Mm -hmm. and for three minutes and twenty seconds, you have an additional twenty-five pounds on top of the fifty pounds to Um, simulate gear that firefighter firefighter gear. Mm -hmm. 
And for the first three minutes and 20 seconds, you're on a Stairmaster um, at a pretty, a pretty contemplative pace, 60 steps per minute. But you cannot stop or fall off. You can't even lean on the railing or you will fail. Um, then you have to pick up the end of a line of, of a hose line and run it out 75 feet around a corner. That shit's pretty heavy. And then you have to drop to one knee and reel it in by hand. And, uh, there's like a little box of tape that you have to kneel in. And if you go outside the box more than once, you fail. Then you have to carry these two chainsaws. You have to take them out of this cabinet, carry them, I forget, like 50 feet again around a corner and put them back in the cabinet. If you drop a chainsaw, you fail. Then I think think is the sledgehammer and you pick up this 10 pound sledgehammer and you hit it against this metal plate and you have to apply like a certain amount of force to it for this buzzer to go off like you push the plate back along this track and it buzzes um i think the guy who administers the test told us the record that he has seen is someone did it in four swings but it usually takes me like 10 um and if you drop the sledgehammer you fail then you have to um, go to this ladder that's on the floor and raise the ladder up against a wall. You have to go hand over hand. Your hands have to touch each rung of the ladder. If you skip a rung, you fail. And if you drop the ladder, you fail. Then you go to a ladder that's already in position up against the wall and secured. And you have to pull the like halyard hand over hand and extend the ladder all the way up and then all the way back down. If you let the rope slip through your fingers, you fail. Let me think about this. How many things is that? Because there's eight things in this test. Um... Stairs, hose, chainsaw, sledgehammer, ladder. Okay, so then you have to crawl through a dark maze and go like over and under some obstacles in this dark maze. If you can't find your way out, you fail. Um, Then you have to drag this dummy. I think it's a 165 pound dummy, 50 feet around a cone. Um, You are allowed to drop the dummy, which is hilarious to me because it's supposed to simulate (laughs) like a real person that you're dragging out of a fire. Um, (laughs) If you drop the dummy, you do not fail for some reason. And then you have to do this thing. You step into this weird metal frame with like Drop a... Drop the dummy sounds like one of those games. It does, yeah. Don't like wait, a... daddy. Drop the <laughs> dummy. Yeah. Don't spill the beans. Um, yeah, so you, for the last thing, you step into this metal frame and it's got like kind of a metal ceiling on it. And you take this pole and you have to raise the metal ceiling with the pole like five times three times and then you have to go to another like weighted plate in the ceiling and pull that down one of them is three times and one of them is five times and you have to do that like that's one set and you have to do that like three times i think um yeah and you're in a 50 pound vest the whole time you're not allowed to run between events you have to walk and you have to get it all done in 10 minutes 20 seconds well that's that's firefighter like protocol isn't it that you walk I think like you so. never run, they never run into a burning building because it makes like adrenaline go. And when your adrenaline's going, you don't necessarily make the best decisions. So I hadn't thought of that. Walk. And you probably yeah, trip over you all your shit. Right. Exactly. <laughs> they tell you to walk and remain calm into a burning building. So, yeah, I have to do that on Saturday. And it fucking sucks. And I haven't been yeah. going to the gym because the world is over. And yes, I'm nervous about my ability to pass this test. So that has been occupying like 90% of my brain space this mm. week. But other than that, I'm fine. fine. <laughs> Thanks. I think you'll do fine. When um, are you taking, are, where is it? Are you going to the same place you usually go? Yeah, it's out yeah. in Glenview. The next door neighbors are loaning me their car. Oh, that's nice of them. Yeah, they're really sweet. The ones the ones with the cats? Yes, the ones with the to... cats. Yes, I might have so... talked about this on the podcast before, but I babysat their cats over the, su- their su- the summer. Uh, they went on a mini moon to the Catskills. 
And um, while they were gone, a tornado hit town. And so I had to round up both of my cats and both of their cats. And we had to get them to the basement. And they were not happy. No, it was really, it was very funny. I was texting the neighbors like, hey, we're all in the basement because there's a tornado. And, you know, like Jack was pointing our cat carriers at their cat carriers. They could smell each other. And (laughs) it's very funny. I thought this was hilarious. They were like, oh, my God, that sounds like such a pain, blah, blah, blah. Were they good? I was like, oh, yeah. I was like. Gus tried to hide under the table for a second, and then I looked him in the eyes like, buddy, and he was like, okay. <laughs> got in the carrier. But to thank us for our trouble, they bought us, like, a whole bottle of gin on top of, like, bringing us back yeah, fresh blueberries so nice. that they picked. And, yeah, they were really yeah, sweet. Yeah, that's so nice. I I would want someone to do the same for my animal if, you know. So, I, of course, I'm going to do that. Not right, even think was, twice about it. It was so funny. I was like... Literally, all I did was keep your cats from getting sucked up by a tornado, and you brought me a bottle of gin. Like, this is the bare minimum for a cat fighter. Do not complain about free... We no. do not complain about free booze no, on this podcast. No, Thank like, you so much. All right. It's your money. Your mini moon. Anyway. You want to do this intro? Yeah, I so forgot like... what the hell we're talking about, so... <laughs> oh, good. I am stoked. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. Today is a great day because (laughs) I get to talk about history and it's even cooler because I get to talk about weird history. Hell yeah. So like, hell yes. Today we're going to talk about uh, the dancing plague. Yeah. People danced until their deaths in the 16th century. So, I don't even, let's just begin at the beginning, shall we? I don't even know. Let's. So, um, sources, I'm going to save till the end, because I feel like some of them give it away, and also Ellie's going to roll her eyes about the fact that, um, once again, I use Shamedy. Uh, <laughs> Dang <help>. it. <laughs> you don't even know who it is! <laughs> oh. God. Anyway. All right, so, um, so before I talk about the time that Europe danced and died, um, I won. I miss dancing at the club. Yeah, I miss, I miss doing that. So I can't wait until we can do that again, uh, safely, of course. So until we can dance without dying. Listen, I am going to party like I'm 29. <laughs> I feel like I got a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I got a year taken away from my, like... Partying years? Yeah. Partying years. So, absolutely, I'm going to be 31 at the club in River North. You better believe it. <laughs> dumb. Anyway. They can't kick so, me out of Mother's again, because I think they closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, the original one, or Mother's... I don't know. One of them did. One of them did. I got kicked out of Mother's, too. I think Jackie did. 
Kumangas didn't get kicked out of mothers. But she who has not gotten kicked out of mothers gets the first stone. <laughs> I was 21 and definitely got kicked out of mothers. Anyway, it's a rite of passage in Chicago, although not anymore because they're closed. Anyway, <laughs> um, so there were like before this. So we'll talk about why this uh, particular dancing plague is so unique and, and different to the other ones that had occurred in the past. So strangely enough, there were lesser known, um, like lesser recorded dancing plagues and other plagues that are questionable of like why they happened. Um, one of which was in 11th century Saxony. And during this time, it was believed that divine intervention or possession by the devil was the root cause of this issue. Um, people were like, well, that's what happens when you sin. Am I right? So during, nobody was like, were, we should wash our hands. Yeah. Nobody <laughs> was like, wash your, wash your hands and then wash your butt, but don't use the same washcloth. <laughs> nobody thought of that anyway. And then eat your food. Like nobody was like, anyway, um, not in Europe anyway. They even, were like, okay, but like, we even know what germs are now and people are still not wearing masks in the middle of a fucking pandemic. So I don't know what I expect from the 11th century. Anyway, then there were several towns near the Rhine River in 1374 that people were seized by an agonizing, another agonizing compulsion to dance. They didn't pause to eat or rest and dance for hours or even days in succession. And then within the next weeks, the so-called mania had spread to northeastern France and the Netherlands and didn't go away until after several months, not long before the dancing plague of 1518 that we're going to talk about. Um, there was a similar outbreak in 1491 in which several nuns were allegedly possessed and as a result acted like dogs, jumped out of trees to, they like ran races with each other like they were dogs. I don't know. I guess that was a thing back then. <laughs> they they were jump- bored. <laughs> Uh, maybe they didn't know where their Bibles were, like mine, <laughs> like the nuns we talked about a couple episodes ago. Um, they would jump out of trees to imitate birds flying. They would meow and claw their way up trees like they were cats. And nuns were so. John Waller is like an expert in the in this time period, but more than anything, he's an expert on the Dancing Plague of 1518. But he says that like. Nuns were disproportionately affected by these afflictions, and over the next 200 years, they and hundreds of others would become delirious. They would foam at the mouth, scream, convulse, sexually proposition priests and exorcists, and confess to having sex with either um, the devil or Jesus. I guess there are two types of nun. I don't know. Like, <laughs> who would you rather, like, fuck, Mary, kill, Jesus or the devil edition, I guess. I don't know. Jesus, um, the devil, or that priest who lives down the hall. oh man um so john waller also says uh in his article for the british psychological society quote here's your meaty quote you ready yeah meaty quotes These events may sound wildly improbable, but there is clear documentary evidence that they did in fact happen. The dancing plagues were independently described by scores of physicians, chroniclers, monks, and priests. And for the 1518 outbreak, we can even read the panicky municipal orders written by the Strasbourg authorities at the time of the epidemic. Similarly, trial documents in the archive of the Inquisition provide copious in-depth accounts of nuns doing and saying the strangest of things. So, like... 
They were just spilling the, spilling the tea in 1518 Strasbourg. Anyway, um, Lyneth Miller argues in her article that the reason why this particular outbreak is interesting is because a shift occurred. So people went from saying, God is doing this, you're just sinning, and it's your fault, so be a better Christian, to, okay, maybe there is a medical reasoning behind this. Maybe there is a scientific reasoning behind this particular uh, illness. Hmm. So um, they were even first met with medical solutions, such as they were back in the 16th century, right? Um, before they resorted to religion for, you know, alternative healing methods. So let's let's talk about this 1518 dancing plague pandemic. Um, so Strasbourg is located in modern-day France in the Alsace region. Um, it, though in the 16th century, it was part of the Holy Roman Emperor, Empire Emperor, Holy Roman Empire, and it had been through it. And we'll talk more about that in a bit. Um, but f- between 1461 and 1509, the city lost, like, all of its power and all of its um, clout and then had to rebuild. And, we'll, like I said, we'll talk more about that later. So this also is happening shortly after the Black Death, so that's one thing they had to rebuild from, right? They were like, oh, wow, a third of the people in Europe died. Cool, cool, cool. Um, we got this, maybe. I don't know. We'll find out. Um, TBD. What's a germ? Who's she? Bring out your dead, even if they're not dead yet. Okay. So. <laughs> don't wash your butt, etc. Etc. Yeah. <laughs> Just put herbs into like a nose mask thing to smell it so that you don't smell the dead bodies and you'll be fine. <laughs> it's the miasma. That's, <laughs> that's the prescription for that. Anyway. Um, for more about epidemics and the Black Plague, listen to our Pontypool movie episode. You're welcome. That's like OG QFF. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, so they had to contend with dealing with the aftermath of the Black Plague outbreak, right? The Black Death. And it should be known that like when we hear the Black Plague, we think of the 14th century outbreak. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were several different um instances of the bubonic plague outbreak hundreds of years yeah yeah it was um awful anyway um and then as a result of sort of like human nature the clergy in charge of some of the land and some of the churches the clergymen suck so much how bad did they suck thank you um so they were supposed to be the direct line of contact to God. So people put their trust into clergy members um, to send their prayers forward. Basically, you know, like chain emails, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't really know about all this uh, haberdashery, but, you know. Um, so one man decided to take it upon himself to investigate, like, hmm, the church seems to be hoarding like an unfair share of some wine and food that could be used for everybody else who's starving as a result of some crop failure. And so he starts poking around this church and then a monk finds him and threatens to murder him. 
What? Yeah. Can you imagine a monk being like, Hey. <laughs> I'm going to kill ass. you. Yeah, I'm going to kick your ass if you don't. Okay. If this were D&D, I'd be like, absolutely, your fists are weapons. But I imagine in 16th century, what is now modern day France, I would be like, hey. Excuse me? Pardon moi? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so... So the clergy were just wedging all these gaps into the relationship with the quote-unquote common folk as well. Um, One text says, quote, Peasants were forbidden from grazing pigs on common pasture, from fishing in common pools and and streams, and from entering the forest to gather timber for uh, for for building fires and fuel to hunt game. Um, and even they weren't even allowed to gather acorns or berries from the forest. So like, because the clergy said so, essentially, and wanted it all for themselves. So people were like, uh, okay. So on top of the clergy sucking, there were also other issues of social unrest. Um, the peasant revolts happened between 1500 and 1503. And that is all the information I know about those. So if you want to know about those Type it in your your Google machine or listen to another podcast, because that's all I got. Um, And then in the years leading up to the Dancing Plague, there were meteorological... Meaty quotes. Got it. Issues as well. So, for example, just to name a, a few, in 1492, no, no, not that guy. We're talking about something else. How dare you? In 1492, there was a famine. Uh, there was also a comment that made people believe that the apocalypse was coming near. Sound familiar? Yep. Yeah. Um, and so, and all the crops died as a result of this famine. And oh, people great. were panicking because the end of the world was coming. In 1493, the crops were fine, but there was a syphilis outbreak outbreak and uh until about like 1500 and then all the crops died again then apple-sized hail fell on all the crops and they died again and then another bubonic plague outbreak happened 1514 had a terribly bitter winter so all the crops died and then in 1516 there was a big ass drought and all the crops died so what a time to be alive Um, it's like so problem whack a mole. They're like, oh, thank God. Yes. Like, the fucking crops are better. Uh, what is this on my junk? I don't actually know what the, <laughs> what the symptoms of syphilis are, but like, can you imagine being like, well, the blight on our crops has passed. However, the blight on my dick is in full force. <laughs> Another idea for a Tinder profile the blight on my dick is in full force. You are welcome. <laughs> Mercury is in Gatorade and the dick is blighted. Goodbye. <laughs> Okay, so I'm still laughing. Oh, my God. So, obviously, people that had been around for the last few years had suffered some hardships, had gone through some shit. Um, a symptom of syphilis is, like, your your brain literally, like, decomposes. Yeah. Right? Like, there are holes in your brain. And... Um, 
a ton of people were starving to death as a result of crop failure, as a result to the church taking its unfair share of things and not sharing them with people. Um, people were falling more and more into debt. Does this sound familiar? Is this ringing any bells? Hello, French Revolution. Um, but as results, like, obviously mental health was affected. Um, for example, one source says, quote, Thousands imagined their dead relatives to have escaped from purgatory, running and screaming to the music or drum and pipe. One woman says she saw her dead husband holding his own head. End quote. So, A sample of four in the wild. I know. <laughs> If you're like, what's a cephalo for? Listen to our last episode. You won't regret it. I think that's my new favorite episode, honestly. That was a fun one. And then in 1517 in Strasbourg, a new disease hit. It was called, it was nicknamed the English Sweat. And essentially, you just sweat until you died. Ew. You just like died of of fever like dehydration essentially because you would just sweat out all the liquids so basically the mental health of these people the people in power that were corrupt the weather ruining crops and therefore negatively impacting the wealth of Strasbourg had really um been affected is is one argument for why all of all of these different things collide and as collided and as a result this is what happened they are not moisturized in their lanes or thriving correct I don't think I am either. Oh, God. No, I'm worried. This is how anyway. it starts. <laughs> this is how it starts. Right, I'm imagining, like, by the end of 2021, we're all just going to be fucking, it's going to be like the scene from Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, where the one kid is dancing like this, mm-hmm. and the other kids are like, it's going to be like that. It's just going to be all of us. Just fucking Jeez. dancing like Charlie Brown characters. I know, I was like, she's dancing, but you can't see because this is a podcast. Just um, close your eyes and picture that scene with the kid dancing like like that. Picture she's that. She's still doing it. <laughs> I, I have nothing. Anyway. They know what I mean. <laughs> Do they? Anyway. Uh, the summer of 1518 was also a particularly hot summer, um, which also could have per, like contributed to the events that would occur. So on July 14th, what would be Bastille Day? <laughs> Everybody just, fucking snaps. <laughs> uh, in 1518, a woman... So there's some differing uh, sources on this. Some sources say an unknown woman, they didn't know her name, but the majority of sur- sources name her. So I'm going to go with the majority of sources on this one. Um, a woman named Frau Trofea started dancing in the street. Um, what a bad bitch. I don't know what to say. Uh, an <laughs> eyewitness account states, quote, a woman, Frau Trofea, began to dance and continued for six days. Then the city council had her conducted to St. Vitus near Zabern, and there she was cured. But many others began to dance. And 34 men and women were involved within four days. I'm sorry. Why are you cracking up? <laughs> Can you imagine this bitch just dancing in the street for six days before people are like, we should maybe do something about this? Like one night and I'd be like, this bitch needs help. But finally they were like, I don't know, it's only day three. How long could she possibly dance for? Let's give it a couple more days. What? <laughs> 
get thee to St. Vitus immediately, ma'am. It has been six days. Someone put her in a wheelbarrow and get her out of here. Jesus Christ. We're all wheelbarrows full of dead people. Like, I'm sorry. You can't free up a single one to get this dancing lady out of the street. Okay. Sorry. That just blows my mind. She's crying. Eyes are... And just, it's just one woman too. She's just dancing. She's just love, dancing by herself. I thought she's maybe by herself. you were like, this went on for six days. I was like, oh no, and then she died, definitely. And they were like, no, then finally somebody decided to fucking do something about it. Finally someone was like, well. Well, but then you have 34 other people that are like, well, if you can't beat him, join him. If I they right? had taken her off the street on day three, that might never have happened. Damn. We are talking about 1518. Just throwing that out there. So St. Vitus had a temple dedicated to him um, 30 miles away from Stroudsburg. So that is where she was taken. And I was like, who the hell is St. Vitus and why does he have a shrine? Oh, sorry. It's the shrine of St. Vitus, not the temple. My bad. Um, I was like, who the hell is St. Vitus anyway? So according to legend, St. Vitus died during the Great Persecution in 303. Um, This is when Romans... uh, Look, I did not do a lot of research because I would never finish my notes. But this is basically just when Romans stripped um, practicing Christians all of their rights and told them to convert back to um, Roman religion or else is the short version. Mm -hmm. Um, So in the Middle Ages, he was counted as one of the 14 holy helpers, which were basically just a group of saints that people prayed to for healing diseases. Mm -hmm. And in Germany, his feast was celebrated with dancing before his statue. And this dancing became popular and named the St. Vitus Dance. I was going to say, I feel like I remember hearing about a St. Vitus dance or like one of the dancing plagues was attributed to St. Vitus. I was like, mm-hmm. St. Vitus has something to do with dancing. That's why they yeah. took this lady there. Okay. Yeah. So it also led to, to him being considered the patron saint of dancers, entertainers in general. Mm-hmm. And it's said that he protects against, are you ready for this uh, myriad of, of things? Oh yeah. Saints always have like, so much random shit in their wheelhouse. And it's like, what? Lightning strikes. Yep. Animal attacks and oversleeping, which means he has never helped me a day in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Interestingly enough, his feast day is celebrated the 15th of June. So like pretty close to when this occurred, which Mm -hmm. probably gave some people some ideas of like, Mm -hmm. oh shit, maybe we didn't party hard enough for St. Midas. And now he's like, I will make you dance, fools. (laughs) Start to dance, bitches. Anyway, back to the dancing. So as I mentioned, at least 40 more people started to dance their asses off. In the meanwhile, there are some sources that record upwards of 400 people joining the dancing. Damn. Another poem helps us visualize. Quote, many hundreds in Strasbourg began to dance and hop, women and men, in the public market, in the alleys, in the streets. Day and night, and many of them ate nothing until at last the sickness left them. This affliction was called the St. Vitus' Dance. End quote. So the freakier thing about this plague is that there are accounts that say the people that were dancing couldn't stop. Like, they they were sort of, like, not fully conscious. They were kind of in a trance dancing. 
and they would realize that they couldn't stop, and they would come out of their trances and call out for help and scream, but not be able to stop dancing. Oh, that's horrifying. That's way creepier than I was thinking. Right? So the town was like, maybe we should talk to physicians about this. And so the physicians were like, okay, dance is a natural disease, which comes from overheated blood. You know, your blood just gets hot. You get hot-blooded. Chicken seed. And all you gotta do is sub their hair and sing. Yeah, I... (laughs) Oh my god. I so the plan was they were just gonna let these people dance it out. They built stages specifically for the dancers and the people afflicted. So instead of like quarantining these dancers or like getting them help, they just built stages and they were like, okay, like eventually they'll get they'll get like Whatever, their blood will get down to a normal temperature and they'll stop dancing. So they hired, so they built these stages where people could dance. And then they hired bands and musicians to play music. Can you imagine someone being like, okay, listen, this is going to be a weird gig, but (laughs) hear me out. Um, You just need to play and never stop playing until people stop dancing. And they'd be like, okay... (laughs) I just don't understand. I don't. How is yeah. the music going to help? It. Spoiler alert! It doesn't. Um, I, clearly, they don't. You want them to stop dancing. <sighs> clearly, they are not hindered by the presence or absence of music. Are we just doing this to make it like look kind of more normal that these people are dancing? I guess. I, yeah. What a what a choice. Um, there were also people that were not affected by this dancing plague, and so their job was to encourage the people to keep dancing, and if you were too tired to dance, they told you to get back up and continue dancing because they, um, thought that the affliction hadn't run its course yet. What? So, like, people are literally, like, passing out from exhaustion, and the response of these people is to say, no, no, you're not done. Get up and dance. So what did someone have to do to, like, be obviously done dancing? Bitch, I wish I knew. I I don't know. So fucking odd. Like, they want these people to eventually stop dancing, but when they do, they're like, no, no, you're cle- you clearly haven't actually stopped. Okay. I just... Um, so about 15 people died daily. Like I said, they weren't eating, they weren't drinking, they weren't resting. And so, yeah, like 15 people died every day because they were dancing in the hot fucking sun in summer in fucking France. And it gets really hot by the Mediterranean. Um, and, you know, you add in weaker bodies back then, right? Because mm-hmm. of nutrition and lots of other different things. So, <laughs> they were like, okay, maybe building stages and playing music wasn't a good idea. So, they outlawed music. They were like the town in Footloose. They were like, okay, what would Kevin Bacon's... Uh, family do or whatever. No. What would the sheriff in Footloose do? That's what they asked themselves. <laughs> Have you seen... You've seen Footloose. You were in Footloose. I was in Footloose, yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. So, um, you guys, I found a movie that I could reference that Ellie was like, yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I played uh, and- uh, Kevin Bacon's, like, manager. I played the main character's, like, manager at the, when he's, like, working at the soda shop or whatever, and I had to roller skate. Oh, God. Aww. So they outlawed music, but they said that, like, strings were fine, but drums were illegal. They're like, drums give you a beat to dance to, so we're going to outlaw drums. But, like, a violin string, all you can do is, like, a waltz. So it's fine. Um, A decree from August 10th. So remember, Frau Trofea started dancing July 14th. So Mm -hmm. a decree in August 10th, so nearly a month later, says, quote, uh, every person must take care of his own people and the various guilds should examine their members and send those who are ailing to St. Vitus. When subsequently a number of women and boys performed the evil dance. I'm like, just, tw- I'm just picturing these people like twerking <laughs> in like, the 16th century. And it just makes me giggle. Um, the people were advised to play for them in their homes. Later, the city authorities sent the sufferers to the hospitals, though they continued to send others to St. Vitus chapel. So here we see the, treatment of like you know half of them are gonna go to the hospital and half of them are gonna get religious treatment i don't know how they decided you know who had what but um like um miller argues in her uh journal or uh, articles uh obviously we see them turning to science instead of just you know whatever mm-hmm. is presented by The Skin Store. For over 20 years, The Skin Store has been the number one destination for premium skincare, hair care, and beauty products. With over 8,000 different products from 300 different brands, The Skin Store has you covered for all your hair, cosmetics, supplements, and of course, skincare needs. Find your favorite brands like Elta MD, New Face, Olaplex, and more all in one place with gifts for, for, with every purchase. Right now, The Skin Store is offering our listeners 20% off your next purchase by using the code POD. That's code P-O-D for 20% off your next purchase at skinstore.com slash POD. Skin store, have the confidence to tackle the day ahead. Exclusions apply. Um, the other sponsor of this episode is us. So I just want to take a moment to. <laughs> I was like, what? I just want to take a moment to plug the Patreon. Um, the Patreon has over 20 bonus episodes on it right now. So if you are looking for content, look no further than our Patreon. We're on patreon.com, Queers for First Podcast. Um, depending on which tier that you subscribe to, you get between one or three bonus episodes a month. And Ellie and I always talk about how those are our favorite episodes. And uh, we just have a lot of fun with them. So... Last month, what are we talking about last month? Oh god, I was not prepared for this quiz. Oh sorry, I thought you would know off the top of your head. Last month we talked uh, about my goals before I turned 30 because I turned 30 last month. We also talked about um, 
the mysterious life and death of Bison Daly, an NBA player for the Chicago Bulls. And behavior-altering parasites. And yes. behavior-altering parasites, which gave me nightmares So gross. two weeks so after So much fun. Recorded. Yeah, it was, they're a lot of fun, and if you want to support queer women creating content, um, that's definitely something worth checking out. We have something for... We have like a $1 tier if you just want to donate $1 a month. And then we have all the way up to $10 tiers depending on, you know, your budget. So please check us out. Patreon.com slash Queers for Queers Podcast. So after banning the drums didn't seem to work, the city's (laughs) officials... (laughs) So back to nothing working and everybody behaving apeshitly. So the city officials came up with a new plan. So here's what they did on their new plan. Are you ready? Great. She's like, she's like got her hand under her chin and she's leaning forward like, all right, let's hear it, bitch. What do these dumb assholes come up with now? So they made a 110 pound wax likeness of St. Vitus and made him an offering. Then they created wagons for the people still dancing to wheel them out to the shrine of St. Vitus. There we go. Now we're getting the wagons involved. Finally, they gave the people afflicted some cute new red shoes, which on the upper part and soles had crosses drawn on them with holy oil, and then they were sprinkled with holy water in the name of St. Vitus, and they were also given small crosses to hold um, while they danced. So the dancers danced around the altar of St. Vitus. They offered a penny. Everyone was given one penny to offer. <laughs> I feel like I've seen this. This this is sounding like the fucking music video from Alejandro or something. <laughs> Weird dancing with religious imagery, (laughs) serving an unknown purpose. I've seen this music video. Yeah. So, essentially, they left this penny as an offering, and then they left. And then everyone is like, well, that worked. People stopped dancing. Hmm. Um. So, people nowadays think that, like, since the clergy were abusive in their relationship with with the people that were living on this land this extra attention this act of love was like sort of a placebo effect that cured them like they were looking for love in all the wrong places um (laughs) but they found it so this like Historians and scientists all have all tried to figure out what the hell happened here. Um, back in the day, a man named Paracelsus claimed that this was possible that saints or God had intervened to punish the people of Strasbourg, but he was like, that's really unlikely. Um, instead, he developed a theory in 1518 that coined the term cor- well, hmm, Latin. All right. Sorry, everybody in advance. Um, Correa Sancti Viti, and Correa is from the Greek for dance, like choreography, think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was eventually described as Correa, which is a disorder that caused muscles to move um, on their own. Think of something like epilepsy or Parkinson's, Parkinson's disease. Um, but that doesn't quite explain... <sighs> It doesn't quite explain it. There's still Mm-mm. something that's like, well, the likelihood that, that, you know, they're saying upwards of 400 people were afflicted by this 
the likelihood back then is low, even though people are in the smaller village. And so genetics are not like super diverse, obviously. Um, that doesn't seem right. So John Waller once again examines the causes and rationale to strange events. Um, he says that an important clue to the cause of these bizarre outbreaks lies in the fact that they appear to have involved a dissociative tr- trance and uh, a condition involving, amongst other things, a dramatic loss of self-control. It is hard to imagine people dancing for several days with bruised and bloodied, literally bloodied feet. Like, their feet would just be, like, all blood because they would not sit down. Yeah, shoes were not great in those days. Yeah. Neither were roads. Right. Except in an altered state of consciousness. But we also have eyewitnesses and giving us evidence that these people were not fully conscious. Onlookers spoke of the Dancing Maniacs of 1374, which I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, as wild, frenzied, and seeing visions. One noted that while they, quote, danced their minds were no longer clear, end quote. And another spoke of how, having wearied themselves through dancing and jumping, they went, quote, raging like beasts over the land, end quote. Um, So one thing is food poisoning. So someone argue, another person argues that something that could have induced hallucinations and convulsions in the nuns that I mentioned earlier, um, probably ate bread from contaminated flour. Um, but it was highly unlikely that ergotism would would have caused remorseless bouts of dancing. Um, nor is there any evidence that what the victims ate or drank like was in mass possession, like a mass quantity that was distributed throughout. Mm -hmm. Um, But some people believe, so back to ergotism from Wikipedia, from Wikipedia. um, (laughs) Some believe that the dancing could have been brought on by food poisoning, right? Um, Caused by the toxic and psychoactive chemical products of ergo fungi, which grows commonly on grains like rye and is used for baking bread. Ergo to me, ergo, mm, ergo to, nope, E-R-G-O-T-A-M-I-N-E, ergotamine? Yeah, ergotamine. Ergotamine is the main, I can already hear the <laughs> ding noises that Marvin's going to put in, it's fine. Ergotamine, ergotamine is the main psychoactive product of ergo fungi, and it is structurally related to the drug LSD. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fungus, the same fungus has been implicated in other historical anomalies, including the Salem witch trials. Um, John Waller argues, however, that this theory does not seem, uh, tenable since it is unlikely that those poisoned by the ergo could have danced for days at a time, nor would many people have reacted to the psychotropic chemicals in the same way, right? Like everyone reacts to LSD differently. Um, the theory also fails to explain while, why virtually every outbreak occurred somewhere along the Rhine and Moselle rivers, areas that were linked by water, um, but, quite, but also quite different climates and crops. So, you know, something to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, so John Waller's main point is basically like lack of mental health awareness and education and needs of people was the most probable cause of this event. Um, he cites, you know, the corrupt clergy, the insane weather events that I already talked about. And this could have been 
an example of psychogenic movement disorder happening in mass hysteria or mass psychogenic illness, which involves many individuals suddenly exhibiting the same bizarre behavior. Um, so like psychosomatic stuff. The behavior spreads rapidly and broadly in an epidemic pattern. This kind of com- uh, comportment could have been caused by elevated levels of psychological stress, right? Caused by ruthless years before happening. Um, these standards were rough even by the standards of the, of the time period. And the people of Alsace were suffering. He also speculates that the dancing was, quote, a stress-induced psychosis, end quote, on a mass level, since the region where the people danced was riddled with starvation and disease, and the inhabitants tended to be superstitious. Uh, seven other cases of the dancing plague were reported to the same region during the medieval era. The psychogenic illness could have created chorea, right, mm-hmm. um, which I mentioned earlier, um, which is just a situation comprising random and intricate unintentional, unintentional movements uh, that flip from body part to body part. And um, it's called St. Vitus Dance or St. John's Dance. Uh, were labeled in the Middle Ages referring to the independent epidemics of quote-unquote dancing media that happened in Central Europe, particular at the time of the plague. So that is my dancing... I don't know. Dancing plague of 1518, the time that Europe danced until it died. Dancing they foolery. Were like, yeah, they were like, play that funky music, white boy. Lay down the boogie and play that funky music till you die. Um, my sources... <laughs> uh, my sources were an, an episode of Puppet History starring Shane Day. I love you. You're my best friend from the internet. Ellie was mad about that. <laughs> it's from like the internet. Face. Mm. Said from the internet. Wikipedia. <laughs> um, an article by Lyneth J. Miller called... Divine Punishment or Disease, Medieval and Early Modern Approaches to the 1518 Strasbourg Dancing Plague, <clears throat> an article entitled Correa, A Journey Through History by Tiago Cardoso and Francisco Cardoso, um, Dancing Plagues and Mass Hysteria, an article by John Waller for the Psychologist um, UK uh, website. So I upped my game with sources this week, y'all. Besides <laughs> Wikipedia, I included some JSTOR articles. You're welcome. Because I was feeling self-conscious. I was like, well, I can't just use Wikipedia. The Wikipedia article for this is so short. It's like, yeah, some people boogied until they died and like their feet were all bloody. And people kind of think that it was mental health or food poisoning. And that's literally it. And I was like, okay, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks a fucking heap. Yeah. Yeah. The part about people like... kind of coming to in the middle of this and screaming for help is fucking chilling. It definitely, man, it definitely seems like a sociomedical phenomenon, right? Like, I don't think 
I don't think there is uh, an explanation as neat and tidy as just like everybody ergotism. Like, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's why stuff like this, especially because so much of the cultural context of law is lost. Like we don't know. I mean, obviously there are people who dedicate their lives to studying this, but none of us were there. Like we don't know exactly what dancing would have meant to these people, what red shoes would have meant to these people, what the relationship with the clergy is like, especially because I feel like a lot of sources come from the clergy, like in a time when not everybody was reading and writing, we don't know a whole lot about what the common person really thought or felt. And so we kind of have to guess, we have to read between the lines of what the more powerful people who could read and write were saying. Yep, it's a very easy way to control people and control history by just not letting everyone learn how to read and write. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, this... we've seen that in history time and time again. So. Yeah, that's why stuff like this is so fascinating to me. I I do like the altered states of consciousness angle. I have a slight bias in favor of that because of my own extremely limited underground research, underground undergrad research background. <laughs> underground research. Underground research. Ellie's a mole. You heard her here first. <laughs> Based on my own, like, my capstone project, I focused a lot on altered states of consciousness. And I think that also tracks because those are very, very cultural context dependent. Like, one person's possession is another person's, like, cry for help is another person's mental illness is another person's way of taking back their power. That's like... I mean, when you think about all the control that I mentioned that the clergy had over the land and what people could and couldn't do, it's very reasonable to me for people to say, well, I have control over my body and I can do this dancing thing, you know, Mm -hmm. if I want to. Well, it's like I can dance if I want to. I can leave my friends behind. It's like I've talked about before. I want to listen to that song. It's like I've (laughs) talked about before with uh, Dybbuk. Like when I was researching my capstone project, there was one author on Dybbuk who was putting forth the suggestion that, right, a lot of people who suffered from Dybbuk possession possessed a lot of precocial sexual knowledge and were often accusing like as the Dybbuk were accusing leading members of their community of sexual abuse. And it's like you know, this is a culturally relevant and salient and powerful way to make these accusations where if you're just Mm -hmm. a little girl, people aren't going to listen to you. But if you're this powerful, otherworldly, untamable spirit, people have to listen to you. Yeah, we've talked about that before on this show. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I Mm -hmm. should I should delve into that more. I have a lot more examples from my capstone project. But that is kind of what that the suggestion of it being an ASC situation. That's what it, it kind of reminds me of is like, maybe this was a way of kind of rebelling against the clergy, but in a way that they couldn't really punish you for or do anything about. In the kind a way that kind of made the clergy have to scramble, like these people had been scrambling for decades. If you want to follow us 
on social media. You can do that. Ellie's going to give the rundown because I'm terrible at it. We are on Facebook and Instagram and Patreon, Queers for Fears podcast. We are on Twitter at Queers Fears Pod, and you can Gmail us, podcastqueersforfears at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and make sure that you give us a review on Apple iTunes, that you share us with friends. Um, any of that stuff helps. We love hearing from you. We love seeing you post in your Instagram stories about us when we when you're listening to us. Um, so yeah, I hope seriously you this it makes my episode. day when it's like someone yeah. out there is listening to my dumb little thoughts that were running around in my brain and finds them amusing. Out there, if someone thinks I'm funny, nobody's gonna think I'm a good singer. Well, sorry, I'm a contralto. I mean, everybody's holding their headphones away from their ears, like, uh, maybe Marv can like auto tune -tune me. (laughs) No, they're gonna make me sound worse, if anything. Um, but yeah, we just thank you so much. Um, I think our one year anniversary is going to be our next episode. So yeah. that's pretty exciting. Yeah. I know. Um, but thank you so much for listening. Stay queer. Stay creepy. We love you. Bye. Make sure that if you need to seek mental health, it's okay. And it's important. It's chill. Therapy for everybody. But also dancing in your apartment by yourself is is good therapy as well. <laughs> it's Not all about speaking. balance. It's all about balance. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Bye. 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 Bye.